you know, I say we digitize the back offices of enterprise wealth management firms, but the reality, we only digitize part of the back office of enterprise wealth management firms. So the question for me then in running DocuPace for the past year is, well, do we change the statement or do we change what we do? And in my mind, we need to change what we do rather than change the statement. When he was president of wealth management firm First Global, David Nock set a strategic direction that was built around technology solutions that drove efficiency and scale. Now, after taking over as CEO of leading workflow and document management vendor DocuPace, he's starting the process of building a back office powerhouse by acquiring Giacomo, a provider of compliance, surveillance, and advisor compensation software. I spoke to David about the reasons behind their first M&A deal, his five megatrends in financial services, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. back, relax, and enjoy episode 95 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, the founder and CEO of Ezra Group Consulting. We help fintech vendors and enterprise wealth management firms make better business and technology decisions. Check us out at ezragroupllc.com. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all about wealth management technology. A couple of housekeeping tasks before we proceed. Be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or any other area, uh, so you don't miss any future episodes. A quick shout out to one of our sponsors, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. You can find them at investinothers.org. And now let's get this interview on the road. And I'm happy to introduce on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast, my guest, David Nock, CEO of DocuPace. Hey, David, welcome. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me here today. I'm glad you can be here. And uh, you are calling in from lovely Dallas area, Texas. It's some place I really yes. like to, place I, I really like, even though I hate the football team there. I really love the people and the, the area of Dallas. Perfect. Well, I don't like the football team either for what it's worth. So All right. the people in the area are great. <laughs> We're on the same page. Love it. We, um, we might not be. As a New England Patriots fan, you and I may not be on the same page. But well, you know, Surprisingly, not to, get, not to digress from wealth tech into football, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, so I'm happy when the Eagles don't play the Patriots very often. Although when we do, I'm happy when we win. But um, I'm also a Rutgers fan, having gone to Rutgers University. And Bill Belichick has a soft spot in his heart for Rutgers players for some reason. I don't know why. Hmm. Yep. That's good. My, my, both my in-laws are Rutgers grads. So there you go. I knew I liked you. Exactly. Special, <laughs> special little thing. Good. So um, moving off of fo football talk, let's talk uh, wealth tech. So can you give us 30 second elevator pitch for DocuPace? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Greg. So, um, you know, DocuPace is financial technology that helps enterprise wealth management firms digitize their back offices. Um, so the goal of DocuPace is to make sure that we take friction out of the process for wealth management. We want to make sure that the promise of financial planning becomes the promise of financial planning well executed. So we help firms onboard new clients, right? Convert them from prospects to new clients, onboard them, 
move all the documents, data, digital signatures, everything through you know, smart, comprehensive, robust workflows, integrate all those workflows to their partners of choice, and then ultimately leave the documents and data at rest in an SEC compliant document storage facility. Yeah, and one of the things that I found in learning more about DocuPace, and, and you know, this is my job to, to know different companies, but for a long time, I just thought of DocuPace as being purely document managed, document storage. And what the, you know, when you mentioned financial planning well executed, there's so much more and the, there's so much more in terms of the workflow processes. Can you talk a little bit about how that and how you've kind of, you guys have built that over the years to more of a, an ecosystem and infrastructure that firms can build their back office off of? Yeah, so it's a great point. I actually, I think you you may know, but I actually started off as a DocuPace client. So my last firm, we used DocuPace for about a decade. We were one of the early adopters. And in fact, we adopted DocuPace as document management, right? We started off with exactly the profile that you described. Um, the business built itself out over time. So document management, document storage, which was really critical to our business and to our client's business, kind of operate it well and integrate, you know, became an opportunity for, as you described, to build a larger financial ecosystem. So, you know, we got into the customer onboarding process because frankly, to do document management, a lot of it does start with new account opening. Um, we also do it for account maintenance and other activities as well. But in order to be able to create this comprehensive platform, starting at the beginning of prospect conversion, which is really where a lot of our core work began, that became a huge part of what we did. So we got into the you know, forms filling and new account opening processes, got deeper integrations with custodians and TAMPs and you know CRM providers. And we can actually create today, and we had this experience in our last firm, a pretty interestingly well-integrated ecosystem between TAMPs, CRMs, custodians, um, and to create one integrated experience, really, no matter how many providers a firm has in each one of those major categories. And we do it for a lot of other financial technology as well, but you know, those are pretty uniform. So you know, we've actually broadened that out, frankly. I mean, one of the solutions that we provide, we do the, the most digital onboarding of new financial advisors or financial advisors to new firms, because you know, if we can onboard one customer or one client at a time, uh, we can onboard one financial advisor at a time. So we, again, we're the we're the largest provider of digital financial advisor transitions in the industry today, just as a result of that extension. And you know, part of our roadmap, and we'll probably talk about this later, is well, if we can do it for one advisor at a time, we're looking at ways to be able to do it one firm at a time, right? To be able to take you know, that that onboarding and that scale that we've got and really bring it to to more firms and and create you know, solve for larger problems. You had mentioned, um, I want to talk about your five mega trends that you're seeing in financial services. Can you explain what they are and, and how you see them impacting the industry? For sure. Yeah, there's, you know, from our perspective, there, there's five mega trends that are, are relevant, at least to DocuPace and how we run. I guess I'd be, I'd be remiss in saying there's probably more trends than this sort of happening financial services industry-wide. These are, I think, I think particularly focused on you know, their implication on, you know, financial technology firms like ours. Um, you know, the first one that's on that list is the, you know, continuing trend of consolidation. I mean, I, I think consolidation for the industry is showing up in two ways. The first one quite clearly is consolidation of wealth management practices. 
it's part of the reason I just made the comment. Well, if we can solve for onboarding one client at a time and we can solve for onboarding one financial advisor at a time, how do we think about solving for onboarding one firm at a time, right? So as consolidation continues to happen, we've got some interesting projects happening right now that are helping scale some of that consolidation activity for some of our clients and prospects. I don't think consolidations particularly, I think consolidation is starting to show up um, in the world of financial technology firms, right? So our, you know, our, our friend, Mr. Kitsis's FinTech map's got a lot of logos on it, right? And, and there's a lot of those logos in the blue emerging category, um, a lot more in that blue category than we probably would have seen if we looked at that FinTech map a year ago or a year before. So, you know, there's certainly a proliferation of, you know, very specialized providers, which I think is great for the industry, but there needs to be, there's a reckoning of that. I think that's ahead of us. Um, and some might say as a reckoning of that that's here with us today, we are starting to see, at least I think, an acceleration of consolidation in the financial technology space. And in our perspective, there's probably an opportunity, we do think there's an opportunity for some of the best of breed specific solution providers like DocuPace to be able to come together with other best of breed specific solution providers to create even better, more robust solution for the financial services industry. Um, so I, I think the, the next big wave of consolidation is probably coming in uh, in the FinTech space um, if it's not here already. The, the second one, which I think is relevant to the financial services industry, and I think it's driving a lot of the trends that are happening inside wealth management firms, as well as how financial technology firms serve them. And it's what I describe as the you know, continued um, desire for self authoring, right? So this self-authoring trend, I believe, is what's driving wirehouse advisors to move to independent channels. It's that self-authoring trend that's causing those independent financial advisors to drop series sevens and start their own registered investment advisors. It's this self-authoring trend that's causing um, the proliferation of very specific solutions in financial technology. I mean, everybody kind of wants a very individualized and personalized experience kind of under their control. Um, while everybody's very interested in best practices, you know, a lot of uh, there's this very strong desire for being able to run my business my way. Um, and I think financial technology providers are sort of well situated to try to scale that. Um, it's one of the reasons why we'll talk about probably, I would assume you will talk about this in a little bit, but it's one of the reasons why we think DocuPace in particular can add value for the independent RIA community because self-authoring tends to show up in that community, right, as custodial proliferation, right? We want to make sure that we can, you know, provide custodial choice for ourselves and for our clients. And, you know, there's no reason why custodial proliferation should create a bad operations process. We can trick, we can, you know, give wealth management firms, we can give clients back offices the opportunity to have one experience, regardless of how many different custodians they have. So rather than trying to you know, I think stop the self-authoring trend or caution firms around the self-authoring trend, I guess I would want to see particularly financial technology providers to lean into it and just ask the question, well, how do we scale self-authoring? Not how do we make self-authoring go away? Um, the Mr. other David, one- Let me jump in before you go on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You already hit two. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, if you, your first trend the acceleration of consolidation, and you talked about best of breed providers coming together. Uh, I, I want to talk about your your recent announcement that you're you're you're, you're coming together with another uh, provider uh, called uh, Giacomo. Do you want to talk about that acquisition? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you, I mean, you're right. We just we just announced the acquisition of Giacomo. We're really impressed with the team at Giacomo. Really impressed with their technology as well. You know, the Giacomo organization does the Giacomo technology does two things for wealth management firms. One, you know, it scales their compensation processes, so it lets them calculate and pay commissions in a pretty open architecture and robust way. Um, one of the nice things about the platform is it can handle any method of you know paying financial advisors. Um, the second thing is because so much data is involved in the advisor compensation process, um, the firm's actually got a really, really robust platform for uh, surveillance and compliance, which we're really interested in you know, being able to bring that capability out to our clients. I, I will say, you know, from our perspective, if I sort of divide the back office world, so I go back to the statement I made, you asked me for my elevator speech around OccuPace. I say we digitize the back offices of enterprise wealth management firms, but the reality, Craig, is we only we only digitize part of the back office of enterprise wealth management firms. So the question for me then in running DocuPace for the past 11 months is, or 12 months, about a year, um, is, well, do we change the statement or do we change what we do? And in my mind, we need to change what we do rather than change the statement. If I think back to my prior life running a you know pretty large wealth management practice, you know, we had a great DocuPace relationship, but I also had a relationship with InvestNet, I had a relationship with Protogen, I had a relationship with um, uh, with MNO, you know, BRAC. I had you know all these other technology providers um, that were part of the back office, and the reality is my business would have been better served. Um, by consolidating some of those together into a single back office and financial advisor experience. Our back office had DocuPace open all day long. Our field, particularly wealth management assistants, had DocuPace open all day long. Well, what if they could get their compliance activities conducted in that platform? What if they could get their advisor compensation activities conducted or reported on within that platform, right? It just makes their life considerably easier by having this consolidated platform. Um, and with the Giacomo acquisition, we can start to deliver that. Now, there's more capabilities that I think we could deliver as part of this integrated back office experience, and, and we're going to go down that path. Uh, but being able to bring those capabilities to our clients. I mean, listen, today we've got common customers with Giacomo that want integrations. Um, we, you know, we want to deliver that integration, but ultimately really want to go deeper and try to approach the market together, solving for um, what I describe as financial planning well executed by really focusing on the back office itself and trying to deliver a really robust experience, well integrated with data, um, one platform for the, the people that we're privileged to serve. And, and, I'll, and I'll come back to Giacomo a little bit probably as we go through the conversation today, but that's the, at a high level, that's the, you know, that's the thesis and the main, the main focus for us. We're really excited. Again, I mentioned the team over there is just so smart. They know the technology so well. They know, you know how to solve for these wealth management challenges incredibly well. So you know, that's a big part of the reason why we're so excited, not just the tech, but the people. One thing I'm seeing with a lot of mergers or acquisition announcements in our industry is that they're driven more by data than by tech. And do you see that in terms of what Giacomo has? You mentioned that their, their data compensation data, payout data, which feeds some surveillance and compliance. So how does the, their access to data, their ability to manage data, uh, having a data strategy and data, uh, be able to assess other firms' data, how does it help drive your vision for how DocuPace is going to digitize the back offices? Yeah, so this is a really, I mean, this is a really cool point for us, we think. I mean, DocuPace today already has a ton of data related to 
um, new account opening processes, right? So, so we've got all the new account opening, all the maintenance, like we've got a whole ton of data already um, related to that. And we've got a lot of financial advisors using the platform. With Giacomo, it goes a little level deeper, right? The, that new account opening data turns into transactional data um, as because the business is processing all the data feeds from DST and Dazzle and custodians, and right, it has all these data sources integrated into it to be able to do post-trade surveillance um, as well as pay compensation. So the, the place where I where I believe that we need to focus on data, at least initially, and, and this work is actually underway at DocuPace. If I go back to the statement that I made about DocuPace, one of DocuPace's you know, core purpose for us is to make financial planning become financial planning well executed. What I think we have the opportunity to do is to be able to create a lot more transparency into how well-functioning a wealth management back office actually is. So Craig, if you're trying to open new accounts, either for yourself or for your clients or on behalf of financial advisors, you're probably going to want to know, like, how well am I doing this? Am I opening them fast enough? Am I, my Niagara rates low enough? Do we have bottlenecks in our process, right? You're going to want to, you'll probably be curious about some combination of how well optimized is my back office and how competitive is it? Um, and I actually think DocuPace is in a really interesting position to be able to provide that type of insight to the firms that we serve. So between the data that we've got at DocuPace, between the data that we'll have with Giacomo, um, particularly if we end up with the ability to aggregate and anonymize that data and report it back to firms as performance benchmarking, ultimately on a real-time basis, I think we can make a huge change in how clients are served by the financial services industry. So today, I don't know that back offices are used by financial advisors or the IBD recruiters or right RIA financial advisors. I don't know if the back offices are used as a point of competitive differentiation. And I think we can change that. I think by creating transparency and back office improvement through that transparency, I think we can start to create a competitive environment for the back office. I think back office people become the heroes of the next decade if we do this well, right? So can you imagine for a minute, if you're the person running the back office at a IBD or a large RIA that's centralized back office processing, and all of a sudden you find out that you're opening new accounts five times faster than the average IBD, like what's the first thing you're going to do? Well, you're going to run your recruiting department and say, start telling everybody this. If they've got pain with the back office or the operations, tell them to come here. I, I can prove how good we are. Um, and I think that makes, when I say financial planning well executed, I actually think we can really do a good job with data um, on bringing that well executed piece to life, both through optimization as well as through transparency of just how well back offices are doing. Long answer to the question, but I think data is critical for delivering that. So let's get back to your five megatrends. See, we did the first two. So what's your, your third megatrend that you're seeing in the industry? Yeah, I think regulatory compliance, I mean, not surprisingly, is a big part of it. And you know, I think in particular, you know, regulatory compliance has kind of been the thing that's always been with us. And I don't know that you know, administrations, frankly, change the level of regulatory compliance in a really big way. I mean, I think there may be some slight ebbs and flows to it, but you know, regulatory compliance is something that sort of always lives in the forefront of you know, RAAs, IBDs, you know, insurance firms, like it's something they spend a lot of time and dollars on. And I think, you know, because regulatory compliance, most people would likely say continues to increase in some way. Um, I think what ends up being sacrificed in favor of regulatory compliance is innovation. 
it just sucks away a lot of the productive um, sort of discretionary capacity inside wealth management firms. And it's part of the reason why I think you've got such a proliferation of financial technology providers because firms just can't do it themselves, right? Regulatory compliance, I think in no small part is part of the reason why firms are trying to figure out how to get away from legacy homegrown enterprise technology. Like technology debt amasses pretty quickly if all of your available resources are being dedicated to solving the next new regulatory compliance concern that you've got. And that doesn't matter if you're an IBD, it doesn't matter if you're an RIA, like they've all got to deal with how do you deal with compliance in a way that is not just, you know, checking the boxes, but actually creating a business that's sort of worthy of client service and can stand out separately and different from everybody else. Again, innovation gets sacrificed when regulatory compliance activities are too high. So good news is firms like DocuPace and others will solve that for people. Hey, it's Craig. I want to take a quick break from this episode to uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsor. Sebastian Strong is a 501c3 nonprofit whose goal is to raise awareness about childhood cancer and fund research for less toxic, more targeted treatments and cures. The charity was founded in 2017 by the parents of 16-year-old Sebastian Ortiz after he lost his year-long battle with a rare form of childhood sarcoma. Sebastian Strong focuses on funding innovative research that has the potential to revolutionize cancer treatment for children. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease among children, yet less than 4% of the National Cancer Institute's budget is allocated to childhood cancer. Sebastian Strong has partnered with leading cancer research institutions around the country and actively collaborates with other childhood cancer foundations that support their one key belief that kids deserve better, better treatments, better outcomes, and better lives. Please help the Sebastian Strong Foundation to continue their mission by making a donation, spreading the word about beating childhood cancer, or getting involved. You can do that by visiting their website at sebastianstrong.org. That's Sebastian, S-E-B, a-S-T-I-A-N-S-T-R-O-N-G dot O-R-G. You can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Sebs Strong, that's S-E-B-S-S-T-R-O-N-G, or on Facebook at Sebastian Strong. Yeah, regulatory is driving a lot of spending in the industry. Yeah. Because if you're not, you can even, even pushes out some other spending because nobody wants to get dinged by the SEC or the other regulatory bodies that they miss something. So they're willing to spend extra on a regulatory piece of software that's going to hopefully give them a report that'll make the regulators happy versus buying something that might generate more revenue or reduce costs somewhere else. Well, I mean, and to that point, right, last year, DocuPaste, you know, delivered a solution in the marketplace called Tracker BI. And it was basically a way for firms to be able to satisfy their Reg BI compliance. And the interesting part about Tracker BI is that you know, satisfying Reg BI, the, the you know, form CRS delivery requirement, um, solving for that was really just a use case for the platform. Not, it was not the platform. What we've got now um, is a highly auditable and trackable customer communication platform um, that we just happen to use for form CRS delivery. So I go back to, you know, that use case I mentioned to be able to solve for uh, the consolidation efforts of large enterprise wealth management firms. What you're finding is that DocuPace for those engagements are actually combining together this core platform, onboarding, document management, workflow, storage, right? The core DocuPace platform with our, um, uh, our, our advisor transitions platform with our tracker platform that bringing those together creates a scenario where we can 
gather data, communicate with clients, track that communication, integrate it with account opening processes, move it through to custodians, leave the documents at rest, that by bringing together these three tools we have, we can actually solve some pretty large enterprise data conversion projects. And we've actually got two of them kind of underway right now, which is fascinating for me. <laughs> uh, I'm sure um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. the fourth mega trend. Yeah, the, the fourth one is just, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll spend a ton of time on it, but I think it's rele relevant to the clients that, that we serve and, and relevant, I think, to a lot of the clients that the financial service industry serve, and that's low interest rates. You know, it just has such a fundamental impact on the ability of firms to spend. Um, I mean, I think, as you know, you know, so much of, particularly the independent wealth management community, so much of the revenue is tied to interest rates that, you know, when interest rates are low, profitability comes down, the ability to retire technology debt comes down, the ability to spend on the next level of, you know, of, of what firms need to do to, you know, create a better client experience or execute well comes down. And it's a, it's a headwind, I think, for trying to solve for some of the challenges in the industry. Again, just because it's such a big part of the buyer's revenue source. So not a lot of financial technology firms can necessarily do about it per se, but, you know, it is a, it is a mega trend that, that changes the ability for, you know, I think the people we're going after to try to help their ability to spend. And, you know, last one, I guess I'll, I'll mention, um, you know, is, uh, is what I, I see as, you know, a, a persistent consumer demand. And it's really not just in financial services, but, you know, persistent consumer demand for more simplicity and more transparency. Um, you know, we want to hire people who make our lives easier. Um, and that's not just in the financial services industry, that's everywhere. I mean, we want people to make the complex easy for us. And financial planning, and particularly financial planning and incredibly complex, as you know, right? I mean, we, we, we want to we believe that this is something that's really easy, but it isn't, right? I mean, it may seem easy to the client, and that's the goal, right? To be able to take these complex topics and bring them down to you know, a really simple, easy to understand process. And I think financial technology shaping the customer experience. And I think financial technology shaping customer execution is a big part about a big part of creating simplicity. The other thing is clients are, I think, sort of sick of the opacity in any of their relationships. I mean, tr trust in part comes from transparency. Um, and I think clients have a demand for transparency. They're just not going to you know, they're just not going to accept some of the opacity that exists in the financial services industry. I mean, part of the, I think, not an insignificant part of what's driving um, clients and advisors away from commissionable models into, you know, fiduciary or fee-based models is not just the statement around fiduciary versus suitability, but what that portends in the client relationship, right? It's a, it's a drive for transparency as much as anything. Because um, customers will understand transparency more than they will a statement around fiduciary versus suitability, right? I mean, transparency, at least in part, is what resonates with them. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've got to continue to drive in financial technology firms for being able to make things easy. I mean, if you were to look inside under the covers of DocuPace, it's an incredibly complex platform. Like it can do you know, it can almost do anything for anybody for any reason. Um, but by the time a financial advisor or wealth management assistant experiences it, I mean, it's ultimately a reasonably simple platform for what it does. Um, and that's the goal is to make this incredibly complex workflow, integration, data gathering, form filling process to be something that's just button clicks, um, which is great. 
you know, I, I, I will say for what it's worth, um, I do think those five trends are occurring in sort of a fundamental shift that I've kind of touched on a little bit. But, you know, I do think the past decade or so of financial technology um, spend and focus has really been on the client experience. And I'd actually say it's more than it, perception is almost a better statement than experience. Um, but it's the reason why costs have come down and financial planning has become the, the norm, not the exception. It's the reason why UIs are as robust as they are. It's the reason why model management shows up the way it does. I mean, there's this, I mean, if you think about a decade ago, what the client and financial advisor experience looks like looked like it's weight it's like radically different today um, and it's been really good for clients and advisors and the back offices to some degree what firms like docupace recognize and i think others would see it as well is what's behind that is not nearly as well put together right i mean that that execution is still challenging like you'd be you'd be shocked right so we take i'll give you my sort of worst case example so you know, the DocuPace platform doesn't need forms or signatures at all in order to be able to open new accounts. I mean, we can have everything be data um, uh, and and have that, you know, that data be, you know, sort of certified or authorized um, digitally. So we don't need to have any documents or data. But there are cases where we take fully digital, we turn it into a digital form, we turn the digital form into a PDF, and then we fax digitally, we fax the PDF to a custodian to open an account. Like it couldn't be more arcane than that, right? So you start on the front end with this you know, sort of like what I would say is you know, this beautiful sort of digital experience and you turn it into a fax because that's the way the industry still operates. And that's not financial planning well executed, right? Um, it's the reason why financial you know, clients were like, well, why'd you get my name wrong? Or why does account take too long? Or why didn't you open to do this TOA? And why this takes like the, the process for financial advisor and clients today, I don't think industry-wide reinforces the way it could, the good work that's happening through the financial planning process. And it doesn't cause clients to want to come back and do more. So a financial advisor builds a beautiful financial plan um, delivers it to the client, the client's hopes, dreams, and aspirations have come true in this document and it goes into implementation and it takes too long and mistakes get made. When that client, you know, has a kid and needs to start saving for a 529, are they ready to call the financial advisor when, you know, it's time for retirement? Do you try to figure out how to do some of this yourself before calling your financial advisor? Cause those experiences just didn't go well. Um, when I say financial planning well executed, I want to take that friction out of the financial planning process and make people feel as good two years later, three years later, a decade later about their financial plan as they did on day one. And I think we play a role in delivering that. You mentioned the behind the scenes, and I always think that's that's the dirty little secret that we all know about what goes on behind with the client, even what the advisor doesn't see necessarily Correct. is usually often such a mess. And it goes back to your regulatory compliance comment about tech debt and firms build up tech debt over many years, oftentimes through multiple mergers and nobody wants to address it because it's easier to throw bodies at a problem than to bring in new systems that have to spend that money. So you wind up with what we call the squirrels in the background running through running the, yep. uh, the, the circles to get things done. And, you know, they said faxing stuff that because the custodians don't have a digital process as well. So you're, you're kind of bridging the gap between multiple layers of, of bad technology. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we can, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's satisfying and dissatisfying. Like we make the process better, but we know how much better the process could be than it is today, right? Um, you know, I, I will say something that I don't think it's paid enough attention to inside of all this trending is um, adoption. You know, so I just think about us, like I've got 90,000, you know, we probably got almost 90,000 advisors registered to use the platform, it's about a quarter of doc, you know, quarter of America's financial advisors are registered DocuPace users, but I don't have that many monthly active users in the platform, right? I probably got two thirds of that that are, you know, monthly active users. Or I think back to, you know, my time at First Global, I, I could deliver a ton of great technology to financial advisors. And I think we did, um, but only about 50% of them actually used it. Right. So, and the problem with this, I think for the industry, and I don't know how much we've solved for this is I think the chasm between technology haves and have nots is getting really, really wide to the point where, Hey, I don't know how wealth management firms that are serving multiple financial advisors viably create a digital strategy when they can't attach the digital strategy to enough of their financial advisors. I don't know how financial advisors who have fallen behind um, in technology adoption, and a lot of them have, I don't know at this point how they catch up. Um, and I don't know how you start to drive in the industry for standardization and process and a great client experience when not enough people will attach themselves to it. Like I, I think there's a big fundamental challenge. It just comes from adoption. Like we can build beautiful stuff all day long, but financial advisors and wealth management assistants just kind of, kind of want to keep doing business the way they've always done it because they're used to it. Um, I do think that's a, a legitimate and challenging headwind for the industry as a whole. And I don't know that any of us really know how to solve for that in a big way. Um, I definitely don't. <laughs> Not yet anyway. Yeah, we've done a lot of work. We, I mean, we work with some of the largest, the top 10 broker dealers in the country, and they had the same issue that they can't get 100% adoption unless they force the advisors to do it by threatening not to pay them. Like we won't pay you unless right. you do this. Then they get adoption. Yeah. But otherwise the advisors do what they want because they, they do the things the way they've always done it. And it's very difficult to prove to them that putting, uh, investing the time and effort to learn a new piece of tech or change the way you're doing things will improve because they don't, they don't see that, that payoff down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, back to the real quick, back to this, you know, bigger fundamental shift I described around execution. This is the real, like, so DocuPace, we've sort of decided that in order to re really be able to step into this, this, you know, sort of focus on execution, which I think will be the next decade or, you know, I, I think we've got to really decide like who, who are the deep partners for us. Um, and then after that, you know, what do we want to do to incorporate the capabilities that aren't in those deep partnerships what do we do to incorporate those capabilities into the DocuPace platform? So we'd say, you know, CRM providers, financial planning, you know, software, the platform TAMPs and the custodians are really critical because they're universally adopted, no matter if you're an RIA, an IBD, you know, a, a financial advisor affiliated with an insurance firm, like you're, you're probably going to have a CRM platform, financial planning platform, you know, a TAMP you're working with and at least one custodian. Like it's part of the, it's, it, going to be a universal ecosystem. And I think, you know, DocuPlace can pay a, can play a pretty, pretty big role in unifying the experience together across that. But it opens up the question, well, for everything else, it's in the back office. That's not those four things. Um, how can DocuPlace, DocuPace play a bigger role? And that's what drives us to say, well, again, what about advisor compensation or what about compliance or what about, you know, money movement or securities movement or what about reporting or what about data warehousing? Like there's so many other components that are part of the back office that are not 
solved by CRM financial planning platform TAMPs or custodians that I think we can play a pretty big role in. And, you know, to the extent that we'll continue to, to be acquisitive, and I suspect we will, um, you know, we're, we're going to ask the question, how do we create a great experience for the clients we're privileged to serve and consolidate their back office experiences together? Can you give us a, a, just a, like a two minute overview of how you got to where you are now? So you've been CEO of DocuPace for a little over a year. Uh, congratulations. But uh, Thank you. You, you came from First Global where you were there for 18, over 18 years. So how did that experience set you up for what you're doing now? And how does that influence how you run DocuPace? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I'll focus on a couple of things there. I mean, one, you know, I spent a lot of time there and, and a lot of my time at, at First Global, at least, you know, for the middle part of my career there was really, you know, building our investment advisory platforms. And I got a lot of focus on technology during that time. And it started pretty simply, um, which is, you know, trying to figure out how to scale our investment advisory platform in a meaningful way for our financial advisors. So, we actually built a home, a, a turnkey asset management platform at First Global in 2003. So we built, you know, a model management platform, portfolio accounting system, reporting, billing, trading, um, uh, customer portal, financial advisor portal. Like we had all of this, you know, built out. Like you know, in in we yeah, we built it in 2003, released it in 2004, and you know, I was you know, pretty key in developing and releasing that. And, you know, as a result, we turned that business into, by the, by the time that we sold it to um, Blue Cora and we merged with HDVS to become a Vantax, about a quarter of our, about a quarter of our revenue was coming from our home office TAMP, um, which is unheard of. Like for most people, it's 3%. For us, it was 30%. Um, you know, home office TAMP was on the verge of being the biggest advisory platform at First Global, right? And this is a nearly $20 billion, you know, platform. So, you know, I, I got to know a lot about technology, scale, automation, process, serving financial advisors through that experience of building out that platform. Um, you know, along that journey, we, we tried to, you know, we had a belief that, you know, part of our service experience to financial advisors was creating a frictionless back office. Like the, the financial advisor experience for us was tantamount particularly in serving CPA firms, as we did at First Global, those relationships that the CPAs had were decades in the making prior to them becoming wealth management clients. And operational service process failures could damage a three-decade relationship for a CPA firm. There was no tolerance for getting that wrong. Um, so we really had to focus on creating this back office experience. And we used DocuPace as the core technology to do it. And we were opening accounts in you know, three hours on average, advisor satisfaction with the back office was 97%. Like we really created what I think is a really beautiful consolidated advisor experience. And DocuPace was integrated with Redtail and InvestNet and National Financial. And it was the, this hub of connecting all this technology together. So just from a technology and, and operations perspective, you know, got a lot of experience trying to drive advisor satisfaction by using tools like DocuPace. The other piece, which is, you know, relevant for me sort of as a, you know, as a person is trying to think about higher purpose of business. And I, you know, tried to bring that to first goal when I'm, you know, in the process of bringing that to DocuPace. But I do believe the purpose of business is to, um, you know, is to make people's lives better. Um, that's the reason why we exist. Um, and it's not to say that profit isn't part of the motivation, right? Profit is what keeps the business growing and serving and doing work. But if you lose sight of the fact that the purpose of your business is to make people's lives better, bad things start to happen. So, um, 
you know, I've had the opportunity to spend some time, you know, in, with the, you know, founders of the conscious capitalism movement, I'm, you know, part of the advisory board here in Dallas. And it's sort of built on four fundamental principles. One is, you know, higher purpose of business. First Global, that was to enable intentional living. Um, at DocuPays today, that's to make financial planning, financial planning well executed. Um, and then the next piece is our stakeholder orientation. And I think that's really relevant in the financial services industry. The idea that your relationships with all of the business's stakeholders are designed to elevate everybody's experience, right? So a practical version of this is, well, you can go take a dollar away from your clearing partner and put it in your pocket by negotiating a better contract. But what if that makes your clearing partner weaker, which in turn makes your service experience for your clients weaker? Like at some point, taking money away from your partners doesn't make your financial, you know, your experience any better for your financial advisors. So I've always known that my business partners, I may not be able to be their biggest partner relationship, but I could be their best. Um, right. So that's a big part of how we run the business. One of the ways we gauge success at First Global, and we do at DocuPace, is just by having a very simple four-part stakeholder model, which is being great to our employees or being great to each other, being great to our clients, being great to our prospects, the people we would have the future privilege to serve, and being financially great. If you can make sure you've got a good allocation of time, energy, dollars, everything into those buckets, not to say they should all be 25%. Some years, some get a little more attention than others, but no one should ever be zero. If you can keep those things in balance, reward an executive team to be focused on those four things, the business will grow in the right way over time. And then the last two tenets of conscious capitalism, which are important for me, and again, learn this and practice it at First Global, is conscious leadership and conscious culture. Um, to be focused on being authentic in your leadership and having a culture that you know what it stands for and you work on it. And so, you know, we we I think we did that well, my last firm. Um, and I think we're doing that well at DocuPace today. And it's part of the DocuPace journey. So long, long answer to your question, but you know, I, I took two sides of it, what I learned about technology, what I learned about culture, um, and uh, bringing that to DocuPace. This podcast is made for long answers. We like long <laughs> answers. But Good. The, and and uh, I, you know, we've covered a lot of ground, and I, I appreciate you being here. We've run out of time. So, uh, David, thank Went you. by incredibly time. fast, Craig. It does. It just flies by. Uh, and I yeah. like that because everyone seems to be, be happy and enjoy talking about uh, you know these things that we like to talk about and that we like to share with our audience. And, and as I said earlier, I like to talk about things that I find interesting and it seems to overlap with a certain segment of the industry and that's good for us. So thanks a lot, David, for Absolutely. being here. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Craig, it's been a privilege. Thank you. Hey, it's Craig again. My top three takeaways from this interview were the desire for self-authoring. Uh, driving a steady flow of breakaway advisors, the proliferation of targeted technology solutions for advisors, most of which you can find on Michael Keats's advisor tech map, which I've been assisting him with and can be found on keats's.com. The acceleration of consolidation, which David and DocuPace are helping with their acquisition of Giacomo, and the goal of a frictionless back office for advisors, zero tolerance for operational service process failures that David is building at DocuPace. And that's a wrap for this episode. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and sign up for our newsletter. You won't be disappointed, and we'll receive a monthly infusion of news and insights from across the industry. And that's all for now. We will talk to you all again next time.